it kind of takes what Zillica has done and, um, you know, uh, uh, Vitalik Buterin has talked about with sharding that he wants to bring into Ethereum and near protocol has brought it to fruition, um, using a special different type of sharding protocol. I believe it's called nightshade or something. Um, anyway, uh, they give all these names uh, they, uh, they have the doom slug as well. Um, the doom slug consensus system and the near protocol. So yeah, they're getting a little creative with those names, man. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's why I love the crypto space. You know, uh, people come in with their, their, uh, um, handles, you know, their discord handles, and they come into like serious investor meetings and you know strategy meetings and with names like Frog Monkey, you know. <laughs> and uh, Nutella Licka is a guy that I interviewed. He's the founder of the Tokel Project, you know. I I, I know now he's talking about the creamy hazelnut um, spread um, that you put on, you know, like French bread and stuff. That's really good. Uh, but you know, it could have been these nuts, Licka these nuts, you know. <laughs> Nutella Licka. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, let's, um, I don't know. I, I just, you know, I'm not your chart guy. Yeah, Convex Finance is doing well. Zillica is actually doing really well. Speak of the devil, man. It's up 36.9%. In just a couple of days, it was up 80%. I did have um, myself invested in Zillica, um, I guess, over a year ago. And I sold all of it off at some point um, because I thought that sharding um, had been uh, kind of... I don't know. I, I just didn't see um, Zillica really. I mean, I, I mean, Kumar stepped down. Um, sharding had been taken on by Near Protocol with some different uh, tweaks to it. I don't know why Zillica price has shot up the way it has, but uh, I sold mine off and I made good money off of it too, though. So, you know, I can't complain. Um, so you can't sit there and cry over spilled milk. No, sir. Um, so, uh, I've been listening to an interview uh, by Stani, can't remember, can't remember his last name, on Bankless, and Ave has been doing a lot of big stuff lately. Version 3.0 is out. They've been doing a lot of what they call porting. Um, they're not really bridges, per se, in that they lock up and then mint on another chain. But uh, Ave has really been expanding out to lots of different chains, um, and uh, I think that's really good for it. They're not going to get blockbuster, that's for sure. Um, they are going to be... Um, Really bringing in the multi-chain space to DeFi. There's a lot of amazing things happening on Aave as far as becoming a multi-chain DeFi system. And one important point that they brought up that I thought was extremely important is that Aave, um, uh, what was it? They're, they're, yes, is that, okay, most of the retail invest, okay, bridges going from one chain to another or from layer one to layer two and here in the near future won't be mostly used by retail investors. You know, I use bridges. I use hot protocol. You know, I've used seller network, um, as several others, you know, like, I don't know, but I've used a lot of different types of synapse uh, bridges to get things, you know, from, um, I don't know, from Ethereum to Avalanche, you know, from Avalanche to Polygon, um, you know, just all these cross chain bridges, because if you don't know, um, different layer one blockchains don't really play nice with each other and they don't really speak well to each other. Um, if you want to earn interest on one blockchain, but you know, you have another type of, uh, token on another chain, 
You can't earn cross-chain interest. Well, with Aave, I think that you will start being able to do things like that. So you could have collateral on one chain and earn interest on another chain, and it will be super easy. Um, but in the past, I've used a lot of bridges, and they were mainly for retail investors wanting to go try out, you know, for instance, you have a bunch of avalanche tokens sitting over here but you want to go try out some some defi uh dap on on arbitrum and so you have to find a way to take that avalanche convert it to usdc or something on avalanche and then you have to be able to move it over to arbitrum and it, you use those bridges to do so well bridges um as we've seen with the ronin bridge hack are have seemed to be this kind of little point of of uh, vulnerability smart contract vulnerability that can be hacked you know the ronin hack was 600 million dollars you know and like i said a couple episodes ago um the the, the hack you know the ethereum hack of the original dow hack back in like 2016 i believe was for 60 million dollars now we have hacks for 600 million dollars and people barely bat an eye and back then it was world changing so uh, just think about that you know how much we've come in this space but anyway so people are more and more wanting to go do a lot of these cross-chain type of applications you know without paying exorbitant gas fees because think about it you know if you're at the 50th floor of a skyscraper and you have to get over to another skyscraper, the easiest way to do it would be using a little bridge between the skyscrapers, yeah? And um, uh, because otherwise, you would have to go all the way down to the ground floor, you know, where the hot dog stand is, and, and then go across the street, you know, and then go all the way back up in the elevator, and that would take a lot of time, yeah, you know, and could, you know, cost you a bunch of physical energy if you had to take the stairs. <laughs> So, yeah, that, you won't, you wouldn't ha you don't have to do that with bridges. And, um, you know, Ethereum is expensive. It's, it, it would take multi transactions, but with a bridge, it just takes one transaction and you're done. And uh, voila, uh, you have made ZZ cross to ZZ bridge. And um, so that's the purpose of bridges. They've been used a lot by people like me who like to fiddle around with stuff. I, I like to learn levers and pulleys of different projects and how things work. And I've used bridges for that purpose. Um, and But now Ave is coming in and they are using, um, they, they're using their portal system and creating a multi-chain environment. So this is a DeFi protocol using, well, they're using their own proprietary bridges, but I can also from this example, see a bunch of other types of DeFi protocols like compound, you know, and uh, urine finance and stuff like that, uh, possibly in the future. And I'm just speculation here. I'm not saying anything, but using bridges as their DeFi protocols and as part of their system in the composability of it. Composability is using one protocol to help your protocol. And so it's just the put together the lego pieces of all these different protocols and i could see different DeFi protocols using bridges as kind of an outsourced bridge as a service bass you know um and um to to um you know, use that as part of their service. So a lot of the bridge activity and a lot of the transaction fees, if you were to have invested in bridge projects or say hop protocol comes out with a token and you hold the hop to token and stuff like that. I think a lot of the bridge activity will be done by these DeFi protocols. And uh, that could get interesting, you know, as a uh, somebody who invests in these bridge 
type of protocols. Um, I don't know, you know, or if you invest in DeFi protocols or whatever. I mean, I just to and the, I say this too as well. Um, Ethereum Layer One in the future might become more of a settlement layer where most of our actual normal Joe Schmo, you know, cool guy activity that we do, me and you, uh, will be on layer two solutions and it will be on alternate blockchains, you know, such as like Phantom and, and uh, Avalanche and stuff like that. It won't necessarily be on Ethereum layer one because Ethereum layer one is expensive, um, even probably after the merge. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, just something to think about. Um so anyway, I went on to some kind of long ass tangent right there. I'm 12 minutes in this video and I, I barely talked about what I wanted to talk about. Anyway, let's go over here to Twitter. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about bonds. Um, I, when I came into the crypto space, I knew zero about money. You know, I, I majored in Spanish in college and then I went on to seminary and I, you know, got a master of divinity, you know, and I learned about theology and, you know, there's a lot of philosophy and sociology and I learned about multimedia and how to create cool presentations and stuff in there. Uh, but I just, and I learned, you know, grammar and, and language structures, you know, through learning Greek and Hebrew and stuff like that and Aramaic, but I didn't learn anything about finance. I learned how to take out a good student loan. That's what I learned how to do. And I was really enticed into taking out a student loan. Yeah. And um, it was looking pretty pretty. And I wanted to graduate. You know, I, I, you know, my family couldn't really afford to pay for the expensive school. And I'd already started. And uh, I, yeah, I wanted to finish. I wanted to earn the degree and get done with it. So I took out student loans and I'm still paying them to these days. You know, the, the interest rates just keeps on going up and it's just like, it's just a never ending thing for those people that say, well, man, just pay off your student loan. You know, the only people wanting to get their student loans canceled. Well, yeah, man, they took advantage of kids basically at that point. And then now the interest rates have just caught people in this never ending debt cycle. You know, it's predatory. Okay. Can you not see that? It's not a matter of me not wanting to work hard and pay off my student loan. Uh, anyway, uh, don't get me on that rant. Um, so, um, I learned I've, I've, in 2020, um, I got like a crash course and this is 2018 is when I started getting into crypto and I started dabbling in it. And then I started learning bit, bits and pieces about the you know, economics and finance and things like that. And then in 2020, it just went into overdrive. You know, um, my mother-in-law, I was, is right during the COVID pandemic and we were um, getting ready to move into another house. So I was living at my in-laws for four months. Yay! <laughs> and so I like, didn't have a whole lot to do. Um, so she gives me this book by Tony Robbins called Money. And uh, I don't know, man, Tony Robbins to me seems kind of lame. I thought he was like that exercise guy. Um, maybe he, I don't think he is, but I thought he was anyway. Um, but I, I read the book, you know, I was just like, all right. You know, and it was so educational, you know, it's so basic and you know, it was pretty outdated, but it taught me what interest rates were, what the difference between stocks and bonds were, what ETFs are, what T-bills are, uh, you know, and uh, the benefits of 
all this of investing and how to invest and what fiduciaries are. These are things that I never learned in all my years of school, you know, master's degree and everything, you know, and yeah, I learned a lot in, in school and I'm, I don't regret getting my master's degree in some kind of liberal arts education because I know how to think critically, you know, and that's way more important than, than a lot of things. And yes, you can go to trade school and that's amazingly valuable too. Um, I did not go to trade school, but I did learn how to research and to think critically. And, uh, um, and it's, it's paid off here so far with all the crypto world because I, I do, I do a lot of research. I may seem kind of like I'm a complete degen in a lot of things, but I actually sit here and do tons and tons and tons of research. I just was trying to learn how to articulate what is going on up here in my head and to get it out. But anyway, this Tony Robbins book taught me a little bit about bonds. All right. And then I see all this, everything that's happening in the past like two years since all this stuff and what's happening with the market. Um, at my work, I work in commodities, manufacturing commodities like hoses. And um, yeah, I've seen the prices of commodities go up through the roof. Um, I've had to, uh, let's see, since 2020, I've done 5%, 5%, um, another 5%. 11%, 6%, and another 6%. This is six price increases since, since, uh, well, okay, no, that's, yeah, that's, that's since, um, 2021, January of 2021, six price increases. That's insane. And that's, you know, this, this is five, 10, um, 15, uh, 20, 26, um, 31, 37% price increase that I've given to my customers and we've received probably at least 50% price increases on our materials, not to mention all the transportation and shipping pricing increases and labor increases and, and uh, insurance for all the employees and all that stuff. So, and my, my lead times for my products have gone out from two weeks to eight to 10 weeks on average. Um, you know, I have customers beating me, beating down the door, trying to place blanket orders in which, you know, the, the, the customers in, in my industry place blanket orders six months in advance with one order with a bunch of different shipments so they can try to secure a, a, a delivery date and a price. Um, and, and in some ways, kind of a, a future, you know, and when you invest in futures, you're investing and you're buying now for a fixed price later on in the day and you gamble on that because the price could be lower or could be higher. Um, well, that's kind of what blanket orders are, except we're not honoring the price on the blanket orders. Um, we are trying to honor the date, and that's even becoming harder and harder with the supply chain breakup. So as you can see, there's been a lot of changes. And um, I'm so glad that I read that Tony Robbins book called Money uh, because it told me the basics. And then I'm also glad that I found crypto Twitter because I learned a lot of the basics. So here's a tweet by Preston Pish, and he is a Bitcoiner. He is a Bitcoiner, you know. Um, he loves that Bitcoin. Ooh, 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 ooh. I love that Bitcoin. Um, so anyway, um, he posts a picture called, and the sell-off and bonds resumes. And so here's a picture of a bunch of bondy bonds, you know, and there's a lot of bonds being sold off. Yep, that's a lot of bonds. And that curve goes up. That definitely goes up. Um, and I'm like, what does this mean? Does this mean like people, bonds are a place where people feel secure. And, you know, like old people buy bonds, you know, um, and uh, it, 
because they they don't want they, they want to secure the value of their money store of value that is what bitcoin is um and a lot of people hadn't really seen Bitcoin as a store of value in the mainstream world um, because they don't see any problem with the dollar. You know, you, you get a T-bill, you get a bond, safe and secure. Uh, so anyway, here's a little thread um, about that type of stuff. And Bitcoin, DCA and Bitcoin does a little thread on the basics of bonds. So I think I might go ahead and share this with you. Um, so anyway, yesterday, the two-year, ten-year, two to ten-year I can't, why can't I? yesterday the two to 10 year yield curve inverted for the first time since 2019 you've heard of yield curves but what are they and what does their inversion actually mean and more importantly who cares let's get down to the basics and simplify because i care now and now that i'm in i, I will follow coin bits um dca into bitcoin so anyway i care now um because i've seen one you know i've done pretty well and you know relatively speaking i guess in the crypto market and um I've learned how to use a lot of these financial instruments. I'm not an accredited investor, but uh, I, I know how to, I, I accept the risks of a lot of the stuff and I know how to, to use a lot of this stuff now because of the ability to research. So, okay, first, some definitions. Um, bond equals the loan given to a borrower, um, which is the government in this case. So you as a person are issuing a loan to the government from an investor, the lender, which is you. Um, governments issue bonds, meaning they sell them. The government sells the bonds. Investors buy the bonds, uh, meaning they lend the government money. So in exchange for you giving the government money, they give you a bond, which a bond is an agreement. It's a covenant. It's a promise. So that uh, and the maturity is the date at which the loan must be repaid to the lender. All right. Uh, that is the maturity date. And am I mature? <laughs> anyway, um, yield. OK, a.k.a. the coupon or the rate. Okay, so the interest rate the borrower has to pay the investor, aka the government paying you, in return, or the large corporation, in return for the risk they're taking by loaning out the money. So you wouldn't normally think that um, me loaning money to the government would be risky. And that's where a lot of people feel safe in bonds, you know, rather than speculative stocks and all the volatile stock market, and especially the crypto market. Yeah, oh my God, yeah. Uh, but, uh, um, <clears throat> but it's safe. Bonds are safe. Oh, yeah, just take the easy, safe way. Enjoy that yield. Enjoy the store of value. Um, so anyway, bonds are a way to quantify the risk the lender is. Uh, so uh, let's see here. Yield is a way to quantify the risk the lender is taking. Higher risk means higher yield, i.e. return for the lender. So if you take a higher risk, you get a higher yield. You get more money. All right. So. For government bonds, yields should go up based on a few things logically. One, the risk of default, i.e. the borrower not paying it back. Okay, two, inflated inflation expectations, how much less valuable the future repayments will be. Uh, so yeah, if inflation goes up and uh, you were expected to receive $500 that month, but um, really, you know, inflation went up by what, say, let's say 7.9%, like it's been right now, uh, then your $500 will be worth 7.9% less. What's 7.9% of $500? I don't know, but I know like 10% is like, uh, uh, 50 bucks. Yeah. 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 Like 50 bucks, maybe. 
Okay. Okay. So it's close enough. So it's like 50 bucks less. All right. Or 40 something dollars less you'll, you, you'll receive. All right. Anyway. And then if you're, it's, if you're dealing with a lot of money, that's a lot of money. All right. So anyway, uh, and then, so yield should go based on another thing, the cost of holding the bond versus any other investment. All right. So what does it cost you to hold the bond? And uh, for as long as you'll be out that money, you know, does that cost you something? All right. Okay. So the longer the duration of the bond, the higher its expected return. Investors should be compensated based on how long it takes to get their money back. Inversely, the shorter the duration of the bond, the lower its yield, normally because it's lower risk to the borrower. So if you give the government money and you know, it's just like two weeks, you know, and um, the government, all right, you know, we'll give you, you know, I don't know, a half percent, 0.5, 1%, 1% for, for giving it to us for two weeks. We were in a pinch. We needed that. And then two weeks later, you, you made a 1% off of $500, which is like five bucks. Right. All right. But yeah, um, if the government is like, we need this for like 10 years, you know, we'll give you 15%, you know, and yeah, that's a lot of money, um, you know, for that, but you're, you're out that $500 for 10 years. Now, of course, these numbers are, are way off, but, um, all right. So further bond price, um, rise with increased demand to lend, which brings yields down. Okay. So, uh, bond price increase with increased demand to lend, brings yields down. All right. So the more people that want to buy bonds, uh, it brings the yield prices down. And so, you know, the, the government in this case is selling you the bonds and it's a seller's market. And they're like, we don't have to pay you so much because we have all these other people that want to buy these bonds. Since there are more willing lenders, borrowers do not, don't have to pay as high of a premium. All right. So, um, the bond price low with less demand to lend to lend. So yield increases to entice investors to lend as, as there are willing lenders. Um, so if people are feeling secure in the market, um, the market's less volatile, there's not a whole lot of demand to put your money into stuff that's safe and secure because you're willing to take more risks. So the, 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 uh, yield increases, you know, the government or large corporations is like, Hey, where'd you guys go? Come on, you know, here, here, we'll, we'll up it by 2%. Here, I'll make it 7% instead of 5%. You know, come on, come on, you know, you know give us some money and we'll give you our, our bond notes. Okay. Anyway, yield curve is simply a graph of the yields of bonds of differing durations. For a given borrower, in our case, the U.S. Treasury, which is viewed as the benchmark, it is a plot of bonds issued by the U.S. government with all the maturity dates. All right. Okay. So a yield curve is the curve uh, where the yield is on the uh, y-axis and the time to maturity is on the x-axis. And uh, there's all these maturity dates, the dates that it's due when you get your money back from issuing money to them. All right. So because of the relationships between the bond yields and maturity dates, the shape of this graph can give us useful info. A normal yield curve looks like this, and it basically goes up and to the right. So it reflects normal expectations that investors should receive a longer duration loan to the government. Okay. All right. So good. Um, an inverted yield curve is the opposite. Shorter term bonds have a higher return for investors than long term bonds. 
Inversions happen when there's an economic slowdown, where investors rush to buy long-term bonds, driving the price down. Uh, when there's a lot of demand, bond price goes down, the, the yield rate, um, in fear of recession. So people are rushing to try to put their, their money into something that is stable. So what? Okay, so back to today. In a normal economy, we would expect the 10-year yield to be higher than the two-year yield. Okay, right? You know, because that's what happens. You put your money in for longer, you get more money back. This is what inverted yesterday, a sign of an economic slowdown. And uh, um, so remember, bond yields are an indicator of the cost of borrowing. So let's look at this little graph here. Uh, does this show me anything? So it looks like the, these are the rates, the three-year 2.62. So a short-term loan is giving you higher yield. Wow. Okay. So that's pretty interesting. So, but let's go back to Preston Pish's graph here. Um, so hold on. Let's got a couple more points. As time of value Bitcoin puts it, the 30-year investor does not believe that when his or her three-year note matures, a rate higher than 2.56 will be available in the market at that time. Um, the 30-year holder believes that a 30-year stream of 2.56% coupons is a preferable. Um, so in, in point number 11, investment to the higher yield of 2.62% because there's no guarantee a similar year yield will be available from year 4 to 30 of the investment horizon. In other words, Bond yields drop because demand for long-term safety of the cash available to invest is up. People want some long-term security right now, especially with inflation happening. People are looking and scrambling around for a store of value. And now you have a framework for making sense of bond yield curves and the general message its shape sends. All right, so there's the basics on a bond yield curve and what that means. Um, and... Uh, so, there's ah, my alarm. Okay, <laughs> let's go back to this curve here that or this this big bond sell off. So, there right now is a big bond sell off. This means people are losing faith in bonds. So, even though people were scrambling and bonds got inverted uh, to buy bonds, people are now selling them off because they don't have faith in this stuff. What does this mean for Bitcoin? Well, it, I mean, this means a lot of people are probably moving their stuff to Bitcoin. You know, they're looking for anything else besides the U.S. dollar because the U.S. dollar, they don't, they don't have any trust in the U.S. government. They don't have any trust in the U.S. dollar. Um, yeah, so no big deal. Just the negative real yields in American history trying to push somewhere re remotely close to reality and still failing miserably. Probably nothing. <laughs> um, then, you know, all these memes. I see no problem here. Yeah. Um, trust is lost in the dollar. This won't stop unless the Fed does. Uh, YCC, that is just robbing Peter to pay Paul. Um, Death of the portfolio, 60-40 portfolio in 2021. 2022, death of the inverted yield curve as a recession indicator. Because when those yields invert, that is what indicates a recession. Um, however, that does not necessarily mean anything right now anymore with Bitcoin in the picture and people just getting out of the bond market altogether. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, at first we had an inverted yield curve. In 2021 and now in 2022 we have a huge bond sell-off 
So it just, yeah, we have the death of this inverted yield curve as an indicator of a recession. So it's probably going to mean um, the dollar is just crashing. So there is one more thread here, but I'm way out of time. There's a really good thread here by Vishal Dariani um, that those who are new to bonds would enjoy this simple primer to ex to understand why they've been selling off. And this here, right here, this thread and i will i won't go through this one here i will follow this guy too simplifying the complex financial world uh work smart play hard they need to bring financial education into um school like primary school elementary middle school high school all right the bond market is in a difficult place with rampant inflation and interest rates on the rise you will likely start seeing a lot of headlines on how monetary policy will affect bond prices um, investing in markets without understanding bonds is like eating soup with a fork Okay, so debt is money that is owed by one party to another. The borrowing party will borrow the money with the condition that they will pay it back at a future date, usually with interest, right? Uh, bonds are debt instruments that are commonly used by governments and corporations to raise capital. The borrower will issue a bond and a bank or other institution will lend the capital to the borrower with an obligation to be paid the full amount plus an interest at a later date. The main components of bonds are, one, face value, known as the par value. This is the value that the bondholder will receive at maturity. And then the coupon rate. This is the annual rate of interest payable on the bond. It's the payment you get for it. Coupons are generally paid semi-annually. Then the maturity date, the date at which the money loaned will be returned. Longer maturities generally pay off at higher interest rates. All right, we went through that on the previous thread. So face value is a thousand bucks. The coupon is 4% that you get in the payments, you know, uh, semi-annually, biannually or whatever. And then maturity is 20 years. Bank purchased the bond and pays the issuer $1,000 today. In return, they will receive coupon payments amounting to $40 every year for 20 years. At maturity, the bank will receive the face value of uh, $1,000. Okay. <clears throat> the example assumes a fixed coupon rate. Coupon rates will not change during the entire lifetime of the bond. Many bonds provide variable or floating interest rates. The coupon rate will adjust according to benchmark rates. If interest rates rise, so will the coupon payments. So a lot of these have adjustable floating interest. Uh, the coupon rates, basically your payment from that that you get for uh, uh, getting buying the bond. So bonds versus stocks. With common stocks, you own equity in a company and will receive any dividends paid by the company. With corporate bonds, you do not own any equity. You receive only the principal and the interest, regardless of how the share price of the company moves. So you don't have a say-so. You don't get to sit at shareholder meetings with bonds, but uh, you, it's basically your loan to them. For stocks, you own the equity in the company. You own a piece of it. Piece of the pie. Uh, so anyway, risks. Bonds are like any other investment in that they carry risk. There's the credit default risk. The company may fail to make timely payments of interest or principal. This is why creditworthiness of the company is an important consideration. Um, and so, yeah, normally the government and huge corporations like Apple and Amazon stuff, you wouldn't really think is like major credit risk. But <laughs> as you can see, the government here is getting a little risky. So um, interest rate risk and bond prices. Interest rates and bond prices have an inverse relationship. Um, and just, and when interest rates fall, bond prices go up. Okay. And then when interest rates rise, bond prices fall. Okay. So you, that's what we explained earlier. And when they want to bring you in to sell you the bonds, they raise the interest rate to try to entice you to buy those bonds. Like, hey, 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 come on, come on. Step right up. Come over here. You know, I'll increase it. Hey, we'll throw in an extra 2%. Eh? Yeah. Uh, so why is there an inverse relationship? If inverse rates rise, 
Uh, if interest rates rise, new bonds will be issued with higher coupon rates. So existing bonds that have lower coupon rates will be less attractive and will decline in price. Um, inflation risk. In investors who buy bonds are committed to receiving a rate of return for the life for the time that the bond is held. As inflation increases, the real rate of the return from the bond will decrease. Current real rates for most bonds are significantly negative, uh, and especially with this inflation that we've had. So here's what the SEC has to say about interest rate risk. They say... Computer. This makes it particularly important for investors to consider interest rate risk when they purchase bonds in a low interest rate environment. Okay. So, yeah, that's what the SEC has to say. The Securities and Exchange Commission. Um, and here's the depiction of the historically low interest rate environment that we are in right now. So here's where interest rates were then. Um, that was the interest rate for people to buy bonds. Uh, and then now... It's very, very low. Um, so we are not really, um, you know, it's not a good time to buy a bond right now. Interest rates are super low. Um, you know, so when they increase interest rates, that should increase people's um, reason to buy a bond. And you know, the, the, a lot of times when the government or companies need money, they increase interest rates, right? So all while inflation is hitting levels we haven't seen in over 40 years, inflation is being exacerbated by geopolitical intention, tensions and supply chain breakages that are likely to unlikely to resolve soon. And as I described in my commodity um, job where we make and manufacture hose and sell it as a commodity, I've seen it, costs just go through the roof and it's not going to change anytime soon. Uh, I can definitely speak to that and attest to that. I don't see it changing anytime soon. Um, I'm dishing out another increase here on May 1st. Uh, so, yeah, so let me make sure I have this right. Investors buy bonds are committing to receiving a rate of return for the time the bond is sold. As inflation increases, the real rate of return from the bonds will decrease. Okay, all right, cool. I think I got that right. So correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm sure people will. Um, so all while inflation is hitting levels that we haven't seen in 40 years, inflation is being exacerbated by geopolitical tensions and supply chain breakages that are unlikely to resolve soon. So credit ratings, a corporate credit rating assesses a company's creditworthiness, which shows investors the likelihood of a company defaulting on its debt obligations. There are three main rating agencies. There's Moody's, Standard & Poor's, the S&P, the old S&P, and then Fitch. All right. Um, I've heard of uh, two of these. I've never heard of Fitch, whatever, but, you know, who am I? Uh, so highest rated investments should have the lowest default risk, right? Um, but also should provide the lowest return. Junk grade bonds have a higher default risk, but should provide a higher return due to elevated risk. All right. So, yeah. You know, if you invest in risky crap, you probably, you know, you can make a high return, but you might get wrecked. You know, you're less likely to get wrecked if you invest in the, you know, supposedly in the government, right? Uh, uh, why is this relevant now? Many companies with poor credit worthiness have been able to take advantage of the low interest rate environment to finance their operations without having to make heavy interest payments. So companies will pull out loans to build their business and they're, they're taking advantage of these low interest rates right now. Um, as rates rise, this could spell trouble for companies that are highly indebted, have a low cash balance, and have low to no profitability. Um, so, yeah, you know, roughly 20% of the companies in the U.S. are zombie firms, 
meaning that they pay more debt in certain they pay more in debt servicing costs than they make in profit. So a lot of these companies are too busy trying to pay back their loans, you know, while they're sitting there smiling at the customer. <laughs> Everything's great, yeah. You know, um, but they're pulling out more loans to try to pay back these other loans, so robbing Peter to pay Paul, you know, or whatever. And it's not sustainable. This is a lot worse than the 2008 housing market. So like I said, so look at this graph here, the share, the U.S. share of zombie firms, people that are upside down on debts. So when interest rates rise, the interest payments rise, um, putting zombie firms in a difficult position to pay off their debt. Default risk may increase significantly for companies with weaker credit ratings, and there are a lot of them. The secondary market, bonds don't need to be bought directly from the issuer and held to maturity. Investors can trade bonds with other investors in what's called the secondary market. One of the most common ways to get exposure to bonds is by buying a bond ETF on exchange. Um, so you can buy these bonds and buy this debt and you get to trade it and pass it back and forth. Um, <laughs> just kind of reminds me of throwing a stake to a bunch of dogs and everybody's fighting over it. Um, so bonds are starting to break. Let's look at some bond ETFs. Uh, Exchange-traded funds is like a bundle of bonds, you know, all packaged together in a nice little neat package um, and with a little interest rate on it. So let's look at some of bond ETFs to see how the previously mentioned risks are starting to get priced in. Um, here is a investment-grade corporate bond ETF. Uh, called liquid or LQD or whatever. And then here's a high yield corporate bond ETF and the, the investment grade ones in the green. Okay. And then the high yield ones in the red, <clears throat> the blue line denotes November 30th, 2021. All right, right here, this blue line. Um, and that's November 30th, 2021, the day that the Fed adopted a more hawkish tone and decided to retire the word transitory when referring to infl inflation because they kept on saying, oh, yeah, this is transitory. It's just temporary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Mind your own business. Go on. Go on. Nothing to see here. And on November 30th, 2021, they said, uh, yeah, um, we're just going to go ahead and take this word transitory out of here. Um, it's okay if you rubberneck a little bit and watch and slow down traffic. Uh, because there is something going on here. And so as you can see from the graph, the graph is going way down right now. Um, so it only took a few weeks for these ETFs to start grinding down as it became accepted that inflation will likely persist at elevated levels and that interest rates will be on the rise. All right. So bonds have been in a bull market for 40 years, as seen by falling yields and increasing bond prices. While most investors see bonds as a safe haven and an investment that has worked for decades, the risks today are incredibly elevated. Bond ETFs are starting to break in the face of what seems to be an inevitable rise in interest rates and an inflated, elevated inflation that will likely get worse with global crises such as the Russia invasion of Ukraine and continued lockdowns and, lockdowns and supply chain disruptions from the pandemic. From the pandemic, it is likely that these risks haven't been fully priced into bonds, and more pain is likely to hit this asset class in the coming months. So, yeah, um, interest rates are going to rise. They're going to try to get people to buy back into bonds, but um, as you can see uh, from Preston Pish's thing, people aren't buying those bonds. So, interest rates are going to go really high, probably. Because people are selling off their bonds instead of buying bonds because people are buying Bitcoin instead because the dollar is no longer a good store of value and you have a major recipe for disaster there. So, <laughs> stock up on the guns and ammo. <laughs> oh, man. 
okay, I got to get on with my day. I got to go wake up my kid and get her to school. Um, I'm working from home today, but uh, very educational. You know, all this stocks and bonds and you know, interest rate stuff. I didn't quite understand this, what a yield curve is, what an inverted yield curve is, what all this means. And I'm starting to kind of understand now. So now thank you for following me on this little journey I've taken this morning. I know this was a long one, but this is, uh, uh, I think it's very important to understand right now. Um, so, all right. Well, I will talk to you guys probably tomorrow. I got so much more I got to talk about. All right. Uh, let me get over here to this screen. Uh, okay. Okay. Let me get over here to this. All right. Take it easy, guys. Have a good day. Be nice to each other. I know a lot of this stuff seems like doom and gloom, but, you know, go outside, get some vitamin D in, eat well, you know, like uh, try to get some exercise. You will feel better. You know, everybody's scared to death about all this virus stuff. Like get outside, get some sun, eat good. Yeah, you will feel better. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't want to sit here and preach to you. All right. Later. Thank you for making it to the end of this program. If you actually like this content, give a thumbs up. And if you want to hear more, just hit the subscribe button. I'm available on YouTube, Odyssey, and BitChute, and on all the major podcasting platforms in audio version. Spotify specifically. If you would like to follow and leave a review, that would help a lot. I am also available on Twitter at EurekaJohn1. That's E-U-R-E-K-A John, J-O-H-N, and the number one. My DMs are always open. Feel free to shoot me a message. If you would like to donate some stablecoin or Ethereum, please feel free to send it to EurekaJohn.crypto or EurekaJohn.eth. This will help with the gas costs for all these protocols that I mess around with. Because that gas adds up and I ain't rich yet. Thanks again. Thank you.